0: You're now listening to Sanity at the Movies, Planes Go Vroom Edition. I am Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. That's Ben, the preacher who's a teacher of cinema. Yes. And many fine things he'll have to teach us based on the masterpiece we're talking about today. No doubt. I'm sure. Now, the pastor who's a master of cinema, Jake, is a huge Top Gun fan, grew up with the movie. I mean, he's not a fan of what's bad about the movie, but it's just a nostalgia piece for him. And so, I'm sure he's going to really enjoy this Top Gun movie. Right, Jake? Yeah, yeah, guys. <laughs> I will. Jake, you don't sound like yourself today. That's because I'm not actually here. <laughs> Jake, Jake, you got us again. <laughs> you card. He is a card. Jake is not here. He chose to be with his children for their- Ooh, some lame their, family reason. He, he uh, like, Jake is a reverse dad in every movie. He's like the dad that goes to all the games. And we're like, Jake, you've been to every game, every musical performance, every lame school thing. Your kids feel so validated. You need to take a night off and see Top Gun with us. But he did not do it. Man. So... All right. But I don't know. He might want to circle back. <laughs> Get it? Because in planes, you can circle back. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Jake might want to circle back and give his own thoughts on Top Gun or, or even trigger a more in-depth trigger, discussion. Trigger, I see what you said <laughs> yes, so there. Planes, wow. planes have triggers. Trigger figure. Yeah, yep, that's right. It's Jake. Flying uh, high. Yep. With yep. his family. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jake might have some absolutely soaring thoughts on on this uh, film, Top Gun: Maverick, but he, he might shoot down any criticisms we have to offer. That's absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> but today he is not here with us, so that makes it sound like he's dead. <laughs> Jake is no longer with us. Uh, J- Listen, me and Ben, we saw Top Gun. We saw it with our wives. We did. We saw it with a crowd of... Top Gun Maverick. Top, we saw it like the opening, the pre-opening, I don't know what they call it, but it was like the... It was a special screening. A, spe- a we special screening. We, we
1: got special pins, we got posters, not, none of... Well, I guess we didn't actually pick up our posters, none yes. of us.
0: Well, we did grab our poster and okay, it, it's cool. a very boring poster though. It's a, It's like a little geometric design. It's a little bit cooler than just the floating heads posters that you often get these days, <laughs> at least it's something, but... <coughs> I was not excited. This movie, oh. by the way, destroyed Ben's sinuses. It was so it was so yep. exciting that got me. He's, he's not operating on full uh, health today because yeah. Top Gun Maverick took so much out of him. It did it. So, me and Ben, ironically, don't care about the Top Gun franchise, if you can call it that, at all. I, I, I don't think you've ever seen the first I Top Gun. I never have. I have seen the first Top Gun when I was a kid. I remember it vaguely but i don't have any particular fondness so if jake was here he could represent like the the top gun the people that feel like that movie and have feelings about that movie but me and ben i don't dislike it or anything i mean it's from a whole school of filmmaking that i don't particularly like and did not even like as a kid like the tony scott don simpson jerry bruckheimer school of action schlock militaristic mm-hmm. movie which michael bay comes out of michael bay is the most aggressive and famous proponent of that whole right style i really i really don't like it it's the first time i actually remember being aware of filmmaking as a kid i mean that's not true i was aware of filmmaking but maybe the first time where filmmaking pulled me out of a movie was seeing either crimson tide or the rock or one of those things movies which are okay but right. the style is so aggressively edited, like everything feels like a TV commercial. The shots don't last right. for more than three or four seconds. Right. It's just edit, edit, edit. Yes. Cannot, let, cannot let the audience's right. attention lag. And the right. action scenes are not edited for geography. They're edited for momentum purely. So right. it's hard to tell where people are. It's kind of, it's not it's not quite everything that we complained about with Christopher Nolan or the Bourne movies, the, the children of Bourne. I guess the 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 bad yeah, yeah, yeah. the action scenes where you can't yeah. tell what's going on at all but right. it, but it is just the style that everything just feels like a commercial it's it's not I don't know how would you describe it it's just
1: Well it, it, I think you're doing a good job but it's it's hard to if you if you see it you know it
0: Oh these guys all it, came out of directing music videos and mm-hmm television commercials and it's just got that slick kind it, of... It,
1: it's slick, it's, the editing is very, it's like it's like a non-stop rhythm. It kind of inures you to anything else. I mean, I was kind of aware of this, but when I was a kid and saw a movie by Tony Scott that, I don't know if it was his... Had his most appeal. He Tony Scott made a lot of money as a mm. director. He's he died in maybe 2011 or something. Yeah. I want to say of suicide. I think really, which, which was which I didn't is know kind that. of
0: adds a grim tone to everything. But yeah, any, absolutely. Anyway. So
1: he's Ridley Scott's brother. Ridley Scott, famous director of Gladiator and Alien, Alien, and Blade Runner, Blade Runner. Yeah, all kinds of famous things. And know. also
0: very not uh, more controlled and restrained and a better filmmaker, I'd say, than anyone we're talking about. Right. But but similarly slick and.
1: Yeah, he's really Scott is slick, but he's not really the same kind of filmmaker. Yeah, he's um. But Tony Scott, I I grew up seeing. Well, what I grew up is wrong. But in two thousand one, I would have been in entering college, and I saw Spy Game, and I loved that movie. Is that the one with Robert Redford and Brad Pitt? And, yeah, it's where Tony Scott takes this very fast editing style and applies it to a spy story. Yeah, it's a very deliberate choice of like this is a confusing world of quick information, fast decisions all these layers happening faster than you know how to process. And so, he was applying his very slick, fast editing style to a story that you 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 could make an argument like, oh, this fits this story because he's actually, it's part of the storytelling. Yeah. It's part of like the flow of information is too fast. All these characters and their motivations are hard hard to figure out. I, now, I, I bet if I went back, I mean, in memory, Spy Game has become a pretty dumb movie. It's not very good. So, I don't, I saw it at the time, and I don't remember particularly loving it. But sure,
0: that's yeah, either here nor there. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think I don't know why I'm bringing that up. I think I'm bringing it up to say Tony Scott was tr- maybe tr- he was trying to make use of his style. Yeah, he had a, he
0: had a style, and it 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 wasn't a bad style. Person like there's nothing wrong with quick cutting. There's nothing wrong with an aggressively flowing camera. It's when it's used indiscriminately. So like Michael Bay obviously is the the great offender. And what yeah. ha- what happens in a movie like Armageddon, to take the most aggressive example of right. a movie that's just constant shots that last about 2.5 seconds, I think somebody actually did the test, is that like the love scenes have that. The action scenes have that. It's like as if you Everything. were using the same writing style and it was all in caps and you were just writing... The love scene, the same way as you were writing the action scene, as you were writing the information dump scene, as you were
1: writing the comedy moment. Right, it's, um, it's yeah, it's all like that, and
0: it's not that like like if it just went there for the action scenes, or like Ben saying with Spy Game, it kind of worked for the story that it was telling, at least right. in his memory. Yeah, that that's one thing, but when it's just slathered over everything indiscriminately, it's kind of insulting to the audience, I think, because it's like. If we ever stop editing, if we ever stop the camera from moving and swirling around, if we ever stop to take a breath or to provide punctuation, they'll get bored. They'll run out. Right. We have to keep them stimulated with more and more and more and more
1: information. Yeah. But I remember Armageddon is like I saw it way after it came out um on someone's tia friend's TV. Right. And I just remember hating it, absolutely, and, and finding it exhausting. Right. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I feel like there's some other adjective that should come up to describe it, but... There is
0: something that feels stylistically immoral about it. Yeah. Like, as if apart from any sex or violence or anything that you might object to in the content of the movie, just simply the way that it's made despises you and
1: <laughs> well, it's, doesn't
0: it's, respect you and is, yeah. is doing something, is assaulting you in a way yeah. that art... If you can call it that, shouldn't it it should be leaving something to you, allowing you to bring something to it? But instead, it's just screaming in your face the whole
1: time. And it's 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 like the whole movie is a dog reaction shot or something. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) if if that makes any sense, it's like showing a dog reaction shot. Generally, some filmmakers can get away with it, but generally, it's a way of like saying, "Hey, you're a little kid. Here's a cute dog." Whatever, right. reacting to what's happening, enjoy. So it's like it's like lowest common denominator, right? Yeah. I don't really, I'm not really objecting to dog reaction shots, I guess, but I'm saying the the whole movie has that flavor of, okay, you like this. Here's the next thing you should like. Like it's like force feeding you every image. It's like force feeding you the dumbest dialogue, the silliest events, the the dumbest plot points, and the stupidest characters, and it's just. in in a relentless tempo that you're supposed to find entertaining and kind of silly and fun but it's but it is aggressive and it does i i think this is true of armageddon i know it was true of transformers which i saw in the theater Mm -hmm. and i hated transformers almost as much as anything i've ever seen because transformers it was as though it was devoted to not giving you a story not giving you an action scene that you could follow it was like things would be happening and and there would be quick edits and shots and stuff and then we would cut away from what was happening and never return to it mm-hmm. and just assume the outcome. Right. And, and Michael Bay's story, and it felt very, very deliberate, very intelligent, like this is a choice I have to make to not show you all of what happens, I'll show you a bunch of very quick things beginning to happen and then we'll just forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going all over the place here but I'm trying to capture the the sense of being of like you have normal bonds in storytelling, like mm-hmm. we tell you this part and we tell you that part, and you can you can make a coherent narrative. And it's like Michael Bay is like, no, I'm gonna like dissolve I'm gonna dissolve the meaning as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Even even in the way I film an action scene, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it so that it's hard for you to I, I'm gonna make it so that you can't put together the entire scene. I'm right. not even going to give you the entire scene. And it's not because
0: <laughs> I'm it, trying to put you in the head of Jason Bourne or put you in a world no, that feels this way. No,
1: it's not because of that. It's because of something else. It's like it's like what you want as an audience. Here's what I think you want. I think you want a bunch of pretty explosions happening. I don't think you care if it means anything. I think you want I think you want in fact uh, meaning and coherence will get in the way and they will get in the way of my my beautiful images. And here's a comedic moment, and here's a mean moment, and here's a little sadism for you, where the hero gets really violent, and, and there's and you, and you like it, and there's Megan Fox with a lot of cleavage, and and we're filming her like she's a car, or let's film her so that she's she's a sex object in a very explicit, like glossy magazine cover, bikini calendar kind of way,
0: right? Well, which almost makes me want to correct something that you you said. Let me. I, I want to show you my beautiful explosions. I actually don't think that's what he thinks. I think he has more disdain for us than that. I. I. I almost feel like he doesn't care about the explosions any more than he cares about Megan Fox. In other words, I just watched a Fellini film for some reason because that's the way I am. Fellini's a very sensuous director who obviously likes women, and there was stuff in the movie where I was like, "Oh no, I have to close my eyes." But you could tell. This man was actually attracted to the woman that he was filming, which wasn't good, but I'm just using it as a counterexample of Michael Bay doing, like you said, these Maxim model kind of shots, which are the kind of shots you do not so much because you're personally attracted to Megan Fox and you want to make her look pretty, uh, which has its own problems again. But I want to distinguish it from something even more cynical, which Mm -hmm. is... This is what you you stupid audience wants. Right. You you want he, Megan Fox. Yeah. You know, in this outfit like right. I I think so little of you that here's your explosions. Here's your swill, you pig. Here's right. here's your explosions. Here's your Megan Fox.
1: Well, anyway, so that's Michael Bay. Michael Bay didn't didn't Michael Bay and Tony Scott are different. No, um, Tony Scott is just on that spectrum. He's
0: actually you go back and you watch the original Top Gun or something, it actually feels pretty conservative by today's standards i mean in terms of his editing yeah i mean cutting has just simply gotten quicker we live in the youtube age we live in the post tv commercial age like our brains do process information quicker we are more used to jump cuts and quick cuts and there are filmmakers like guy Ritchie and people people that we like to talk about that use those things very well And and Tony Scott, you watch Top Gun now, I'm not sure you'd even notice how stylish it is. It just, it's, it's you know, we're 30 years or 20 years or whatever Mm -hmm. down the road. But Tony Scott is on that continuum. And the the way we got started on this conversation is there there was this whole school of filmmaking under a producer named uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and his buddy Don Simpson. Don Simpson died, but Bruckheimer is still with us. And they released all these movies: uh, Bad Boys, Crimson Tide, The Rock, Armageddon, Top Gun, militaristic, uh, faux pro military, cons- pro conservative kind of movies. But but all kind of with that cynical sheen of yeah, I know what conservatives really want. They want guns, and they want shots of body parts of pretty ladies, and they want yep. Uh, and and also, there, you know, let's put some gay subtext into Top Gun because maybe they want that. And you know, it's just it's just very cynical. It's it's everything that's kind of nasty about eighties and nineties filmmaking. Yeah, and
1: I think this movie successfully replicates some of that style. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun that way. I don't know. So I, I right now I have pulled up the first ten minutes of Top Gun, which again I've never seen right. the original and. There's there's a definite there's a definite style there's a definite artistry I'll go that I I don't see how you could deny it like the mm-hmm. way that things are filmed the way that the planes and the and the carrier on the ocean are filmed the way the lighting is it just it, it seems to capture it seems to capture a world really well Yeah um, well, well
0: the thing about that whole studio was they had money and so as opposed to even what Schwarzenegger was doing in the early 80s, you know, something like Commando, which is just kind of cheap and silly. Yeah. These movies always had a really high production value and really beautiful cinematography. And they tended to be high contrast, sun-dappled kind of, you know, the sweat perfectly applied to our sexy stars as they uh-huh. they do whatever they're doing. And right. there, there is something that's painterly about it, actually. But and Tony Scott probably one of the better visualists of that whole
1: school. Oh yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, I remember enjoying some later Tony Scott stuff. His guilty pleasures, Deja Vu. Deja Vu.
0: I've never seen. I've I've heard a lot of people say that it's a fun guilty it, pleasure. It though. was.
1: It was fun. It's a Denzel Washington time travel kind of a movie. I think it has some inappropriate stuff, but it's not. It's on the PG thirteen level. Right. Anyway, I'm not recommending it. Really, I don't remember well enough. But it's basically just like a th- mystery th- action thriller thing. Right.
0: So Well, people are eager to hear what we actually thought about <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> oh,
1: I know they are, Nathan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this movie did how to get it. Okay, let's just put people out of our misery, their misery. Yeah. So if you go and see this in IMAX and you see the airplanes go vroom, mm-hmm. they go vroom very loud and very fast <laughs> and there's and you see the scenery behind them and you know you know they're not really doing it because you're not an idiot that believes all of Tom Cruise's hype. But you also know that they did a lot of it, and that you're you're getting a lot of real aerial aerial photography. It's very cool. It's very exciting. My wife was I don't know that she's like white knuckle. uh, Roger Roger Ebert used to have this phrase "bruised forearm" movie. You know, he said Indiana Jones is a bruised forearm movie because your (laughs) your date is grabbing your forearm Uh in excitement the whole time because you know she's like, "What's gonna happen?" Well, this was a bruised forearm movie for me because there's any number of really exciting, you know, oh, no, we've got to get to the target and blow it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's three or four sequences and, and the whole last third is is super exciting and and, yeah. and given that and that's why you're seeing such wonderful reviews of this thing, why everybody's going nuts for it because yeah. in, a, in, a, in an age of Marvel schlock where it just feels like everything was done on a computer and pre-visualized by the same right. company, you know, that. The director didn't even get to put their signature on it. It was just a this movie has wonderful action scenes. A right. lot and, and they're a lot of fun. Yep. And if, if you if you're a you know, a ten year old boy that wants to see an airplane go vroom, then you'll really enjoy it. And as a whatever age I am, year old boy, I like to see those airplanes go vroom. And yeah. I think we all, four of us, our wives included, enjoyed this movie on that on that level. I've heard people compare it to like Mad Max Fury Road, which Mad Max Fury Road was a whole movie built around visceral a, right. Visceral sequences with a visceral world. This movie is a very boring, stupid world and with some visceral individual sequences, sure, it's yeah. not. Yeah. So,
1: it, it, it's more, it, it is a world that exists to enshrine the original Top Gun yes. and to enshrine the 80s and to enshrine the imagery of this kind of movie from the 80s. It's... it you, I don't know that I'd go as far as calling it a shrine to Tony Scott, but almost
0: um, yes, yeah, I think that's why I wanted to spend some time talking about the style, because yeah. so so we just said all the good stuff, like I don't know how what else to say about it, like the
1: I, I mean I'll, I'll I'll go on and I'll say it's it's really good. It gives you that feeling of I don't know, sometimes in movies, you're like, I never thought of that image or I never thought of that feeling or and I never thought of flying a plane that fast. It was pretty awesome.
0: There's a number um, of scenes where the G force or what I don't know, plane terminology, yeah, but the, the gravity is pulling on them. They wait, they, you know, are flying up real fast and they're feeling all this resistance. Uh-huh. And this movie really makes you feel that in a way that you might catch yourself holding your breath in the theater as, you know, yeah. just like, oh, that's what it would be like to have to do a crazy maneuver in a super fast plane. Right. The character stuff is like on the level of use the force, it's like you must feel instead of don't think feel don't think feel don't think feel and, and the guy's like all right all right i'm gonna feel and then right you, and then he, he, then then he can becomes the, totally awesome spoiler alert he may or may not may not then make the crazy shot or whatever right but so we'll, even the death star even with the action there's a lot of silliness and stuff that relates sure. to the stuff that i think we're gonna say that we didn't like about this movie is there anything else you want to say in praise of the the, I really do, especially in Marvel, the Marvel schlock era, it's nice to have a, a guy like Tom Cruise that wants to spend the money and take the time to give the audience something that's exciting and that feels cool and feels like we haven't seen before and like – this was a spectacle movie and you yeah. actually, when's wasn't the last time you paid money for a spectacle movie and then you felt like it delivered on the level of yeah. giving you the spectacle that you paid your ticket price for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. <laughs>
1: I mean, I guess the Batman.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but the the Batman – the Batman actually – Is much more modest. The Batman is much more modest and actually the spectacle level of Batman surprised me. Like I I thought it would give me an okay story and it did and then it turned out the action scenes and stuff were pretty good too. Yeah, But this I would compare more to like a martial arts movie or something where it's like I'm paying a ticket for 30 minutes of awesomeness and I know I'm going to have to sit through 40 minutes of connective tissue. To, to get there. But if the action scenes are right. good, then it will have delivered the thing that it promised me in return for my money, and I will I will be happy. Now, that, that being said, if you're for some reason listening to this review in, let's say, the year 3043, because I, I assume people on starships will be listening to us and Probably. trying to decide what to pull up on their brain infusers, and – the, I guess if you have a brain infuser, I don't know how that works. Maybe this movie's awesome on brain infusion, But <laughs> if what you have is a TV, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so sure how exciting this this movie will be. It really was like a a an big IMAX screen experience. Yeah, it yeah. was an IMAX experience. You see it on the biggest, loudest screen, and you know, get your popcorn and yeah, it's it's one of those, but it is a genuinely one of those, and yeah. it was genuinely fun and exciting. And yeah, a, and yeah. I'm sure Jake is as someone who grew up as a little boy, you know, loving the original, will go ape bat for this movie. Like it's <laughs> it 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 delivers all that. And we walked out, and I'd say most of our packed theater was people over the age of forty, maybe most of them over the age of forty five. A lot of them women, which was all very interesting. And I've never heard more people say, "Well, that was so good!" And I, I waited 30 years, and I finally got it. And are we going to have to wait another 30? Like, yeah. I was just walking out, people were so excited and amped, and just—I've walked out of a lot of, you know, early showings of Star Wars and things like that. I've never heard an hear, heard an audience so enthusiastic. This movie got multiple cheers and applause breaks and things like that. So. So just on the level of a spectacle popcorn thing, this movie delivers like Yeah. But yeah. There, there are other things in this movie. Yeah. Like the story and the yeah. characters.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the part of the deal is it is just a shrine to the original movie. Yes. So it's more about, hey, remember this character that you liked? Here's a photograph of them. Here's a follow up on their story. Here's the son, you know, of, of Tom Cruise's wingman who tragically died, so, right. you know, the son of Goose, whose call sign is Rooster. I don't know why this one wasn't called
0: Top Gun, Son of Goose.
1: Yeah. i <laughs> <laughs> a better title. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And so, and that's mostly it. It exists to make you feel happy and cozy and comfortable and to pay off in a very warm way all the stuff in the original movie, which as I understand, it was not actually all that warm. It was, it had... The weird movie had had weird gay subtext, it had weird sexual tension, it had it had a grossness, it had an explicit sex scene.
0: Well, that's uh, where that's where if Jake was here, he'd be able to speak to that. I think he yep. might defend it. He might say it's not because I was talking to him a little bit about uh-huh. this via text yesterday. I yeah. don't I don't think he wants to give that the movie is as gay or as subtextually okay. crazy as well as society has, I guess, decided it is. Okay. He thinks that's more the corruption of society having to. It's not that he doesn't think the volleyball scene's gay. Gay bait, obviously it yeah. is. But you could watch three seconds of that and know that. But he thinks the overall story is, okay. is just a bro military kind of story.
1: And fair, fair enough. I, I feel. I guess I'm overstepping my bounds. So, but
0: only a little bit because you're not wrong about this movie existing to warmly.
1: Yeah, it, warmly, adulate. and and and. And this movie is not very interested in sex. Like it's not interested in male and female, but it does pretend that it is. Right. <laughs> it's not like Tom Cruise has a love interest, like an old flame, and their relationship is you know it's DOA, it's dead on arrival in mm. terms of the interest. It's sentimental hogwash. But the sentimental actress, oh, sorry, <laughs> yes, right, <laughs> the actress who plays who plays his his old love interest, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, I. What I thought when I saw her is her eyes are dead. Like, there's nothing in her eyes. Like, she does not... She is not someone who ever loved this other character. There's nothing... She is just like an arch gesture towards the idea of a really hot former flame who's still there for you to sleep with when you come back into town. And well, then, and the movie does not care about her. It does not care about her daughter. And the more it pretended it did, the grosser it was and the sillier it was.
0: Yeah, that's... Uh... That's exactly what what I thought. I like Jennifer Conley, and it was nice to yeah. see Jennifer Conley again. I feel like I haven't seen her, you know, and it was nice to see while. her smile, even if her eyes were dead. Because <laughs> in the in the early two thousands, she just played like role after role where she she was just weeping oh, <laughs> through right. the entire the beautiful movie. Beautiful mind, yeah, beautiful mind, stuff like they just brought her in to be the serious lady uh-huh. reacting to some broken
1: house of sand and fog which i never saw yeah but
0: that's just exactly the kinds of stuff right. that she would do yeah. and she she kind of got typecast as that sort of thing so it's nice to see jennifer conley like being something it's was, it was almost kind of nice to see her play a lame token role like i yeah, wish she would have gotten yeah, yeah. more of those in her prime but the movie in a, in a way that how to say this it it oversexes her not in a way that will cause you to sin like she's not she's not sexualized, but she is a 50-year-old woman that they they dye her hair and put her in sort of a young woman's jeans and stuff. And they're, they're trying to sort of smuggle in this idea that, you know, Tom Cruise at going on 60 and this lady going on 50 can just pick up the same old sexual relationship that right. the Top Gun, the original, had in spades. Mm-hmm. And they don't make it explicit in a way that there's there's too much like you know pornographic material that you have to turn away from or anything like that but it's just a very dumb sexual Hollywood idea of of what sex is and yeah I don't, I don't know what else to say about it but well it's it's just kind of sad that that's what's being sold to people
1: yeah it's just it's just a very it just leaves a hollow taste in your mouth like this is just this is in here and you want us to feel good about it you want us to feel good about everything in this movie. But you don't care. <laughs> and I don't know. And all most of the relationships are, are, are like that. Right. Uh, you do have the guy who plays Goose's son, like, going for an Academy Award, basically. Yeah, I My, mean, Miles Teller. So, so to speak.
0: And I, I, I like him. I love him in, oh, that J.K. Simmons. Drumline. That, 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 it's not Drumline. It's Whiplash. Oh, right. <laughs> Whiplash is a terribly intense movie. And I mean, terribly in the best way got got a lot of bad language but if 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 you haven't seen it and you want to watch an intense character did you ever see Whiplash? I didn't. I don't know why not. It's it's kind of unpleasant <laughs> just because it's okay. so intense like Yeah. It's about a kid who if you don't know the premise who joins an elite jazz band and he's got a emotionally abusive teacher. But emotionally abusive is the wrong word because the movie really wants to play with the idea of well, this guy is mean, he's cruel, he's throwing drums, he's chewing out his students, he's yelling at them, and yet, he's making them great. And where's the line, and what is the line, and is there a line, and that sort of thing. The, the movie wants to play with those ideas, uh-huh. and it, it does it in an actually pretty interesting, sophisticated way, I think. Cool. Uh, it's not just saying that the teacher's a monster but it is also saying yes he's a monster and uh-huh. so anyway uh Miles Teller is great but man what a nothing
1: yeah he he didn't he didn't have much to play i don't know this is a kind of movie that wants to it's like well you know all these relationships you know all the relationships between these awesome top-notch pilots coming into the the next level challenge which Maverick tom Cruise's character is going to introduce to them right and here's all their relationships and you're familiar with them and we don't even have to write them and we're not going to write them right you know we're 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 aggressively not going to write them but we're also aggressively going to make you feel like you should feel everything that you would feel if we did write them and this movie is just very like i don't know i call it assertive Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes (laughs) it's like it's like this is full-scale hollywood this is a callback to an earlier movie that you loved if you loved it and. Here's all Here's all these kids, you know all the beats, and we are going to be able to get away with giving you the most shorthand dumb version of everything, and you will love it. Yeah, Just the, as if it were something we really carefully wrote and thought about, which we didn't.
0: We have the authority figure, we have more than one authority figure who yeah. stands in Tom Cruise's way for no other reason than that the movie needs an authority figure to yeah. be gruff until yeah. such time as he's like, okay, well, I guess... You are the greatest man that ever lived. So, okay. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And they get poor John Hamm, who's such a wonderful actor, to just play that part. You know, to just be like, "Well, Tom Cruise." I feel I don't... like that's where he's landed in Hollywood. I feel like, but yeah, which is too bad because <laughs> he could be playing the Tom Cruise part. He's he's great. And they have Ed Harris come in to do the same scene, the same character, a little bit earlier in the movie for for whatever reason. I don't know why John Hamm can't be our only mean authority figure. (laughs) But you've got that guy, you've got the Val Kilmer analog, the, you know, the the brash adversarial kind of Han Solo type guy that, you know, does he have a heart of gold? Will he save the day at the end? I don't know. (laughs) So... Yeah, I don't mind those kinds of formulas. I mean, I think formulas are formulas for a reason, and they can be done well. And sometimes you just want that comfort Definitely. food. But I think what you said is absolutely right. They didn't actually write it, and yet they spent a lot of time on it. Yes, that's, yes, that, yes. That, that That's that's the weird thing is you could because people will say it's just the movie about airplanes going room. Who cares? Okay, and I and I take your point. I think that's a good point. Actually, that's a good argument. But therefore. Just make those airplanes go vroom. Like, let's really not care. Let's not spend time on things that we as a movie actually don't care that much about. But this movie feels the need to go through every one of those paces, hit every one of those beats, make sure to have an analog to every single scene from the dumb earlier movie. And it's like, why? Just, just extend the action scene. And that was the genius of Mad Max Fury Road was that it was a movie just comprised of the good parts like we, we didn't feel the need to recreate a story i mean they told a story <laughs> we don't have to talk about fury road today but you know what i mean like this is a like there are martial arts movies where it's like you have to sit through 90 minutes of dumb stuff that's not martial arts and then there are martial arts movies that have good stuff and then there are martial arts movies that just have martial arts And I can respect the stuff with good stuff, and I can respect a movie with good in-between stuff. I can respect a movie with no in-between the stuff, but I'm not sure I really understand the impulse to have a ton of in-between stuff and then make it not that good.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I know some people will say that this is actually a little too hard on it, and just let... Kind of let these characters have these dumb fun relationships that we already understand from other movies. Yeah. Let 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 these, they're not cadets, but I want to call them cadets. It's it's a cadet movie when it, they're it, called it, cadets. That's right. They're like cadets who are coming into the graduate level. <laughs> right. Program instead of the entry level. So, yeah, let them have, and I, I'm partly like, eh, fine. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to be
0: a grumpy. If there's a 12-year-old boy that's experiencing all these cliches yeah. for the first time. Yeah. I guess that's fine.
1: I I actually I would say that those those relationships are fine with me when everyone's in the air and when you can actually feel consequences and stakes because they're they're in planes they're on the mission are they going to overcome their weaknesses are they going to figure it figure it out that actually is fine mm-hmm. but when they're on the ground and you're establishing them as characters and shooting these dialogue scenes they just didn't really <laughs> it it's it is just. A shrine to nostalgia. It's not uh, okay. So maybe maybe that's fine, but it, uh, quite a bit of it was hard to take. It was hard for me to take because it was poorly done.
0: Yeah, well, and that's why I wanted to spend a little time on the style because this movie, whether it's sloppy or I don't, I can't tell whether it's doing this on purpose or not. But it emulates yeah. a lot of what was bad yeah. about that that Tony's the the Bruckheimer school of style. Specifically, any number of dialogue scenes, a person will say a sentence like this, and there will be two or three cuts, and, and not a cut like I say that sentence and then you cut halfway through to bend for a reaction shot. Shot that's fine, but imagine if you're on my face and then you punch into a closer a close up of my face, or you swivel the camera a little bit so you have a slightly different angle on my face. You do too many things like that, and it begins to feel like did you just not get enough? footage to tell the story did you not know how to put a dialogue there, there's i don't people may not believe this that listen to this podcast but i don't just sit there criticizing the filmmaking in my head of every like oh well you could have edited that better uh, but this movie has some things that are just egregious where it's like i don't even know what i don't know whether that's sloppiness or whether that's an intentional
1: well I, replication
0: I think... of a terrible style
1: I feel it felt intentional but I, I most of the things you're talking about that were so egregious were in the introduction of all the cadets. Yes, very much in in, yeah. in the bar. And yeah. it's this weird scene where in a very compressed way the movie is trying to give you the idea of every single relationship and piece of tension between like eight different people in about 3 minutes or yeah. 2 minutes. And it it has all of these quick edits, and it keeps introducing new characters and it's trying to indicate that they already have relationships and they already like each other or or hate each other
0: well, and there's this conceit in the movie where only certain of the cadets will be chosen and and right. so you see the cadets and it's like, well, they're going to choose the because we the society we live in, they have to choose the black guy, they have to choose the woman they have to choose the hero the you know the son of rooster, whatever right. the son of goose and so and then they'll have a boring fourth who cares? So you already know who it is and yet we have to also in this scene that you're describing spend time establishing red herring characters establishing extra
1: and the movie doesn't follow up on them or care about them at all
0: No but we sure are going to you know quickly cut to them and give them a little bit of business so we can feel like they're there for a reason
1: Yeah it's it was it was it was weird and it was disconcerting cuz I wasn't sure at first I wasn't sure what was even going on and then I was like wait Oh, these people are coming in from different parts of the country because they've just been they're on duty pilots, and Right. Now, now they're being called to a new mission and, and and that's why they're all acting like, "I haven't seen you in a while, but I already know you well," or "I know you by reputation," or it was like wh- it, it just it was it, and, and then like you said, the cutting, it's just the it, it did it reminded me very much of Michael Bay's ex- very aggressive mm hmm. Eat this, eat this, eat this. There's not any connection, but, but now there is because I say so. In, yeah. In, in the way I'm telling the story, this this very like the rest of the movie wasn't full on Michael Bay in that respect.
0: No, you watch the movie, you're not gonna. It's not gonna strike you as a particularly egregiously badly done movie or anything like that. No. But several of the dialogue scenes are awkward, like that, particularly that bar scene. The other problem that that bar scene has, and it's a problem that the movie has largely is Tom Cruise just can't decide whether he wants to age gracefully or not. I mean, I think he has decided not to. Yes. But he's a very savvy man and a savvy producer and a savvy exploiter of his own image. And so, he knows that he can't just play a 20-year-old forever. He's not dumb. And yet, he wants to split the difference. Yeah. So, John Wayne, I love – watching John Wayne movies because he really embraced elder statesman roles at exactly the right time. And by the time he's in his 50s and 60s, there's some weird transition movies where he's still dating a 20-year-old woman in the movie, but he's obviously 50 and every male star of, of the 20th century has those movies. But, but by and large, John Wayne in the second half of his career plays dads, plays grandpas, plays, you know, mentors. And the movie yeah. happens to always make those characters the heroes, which is fine. It's a John Wayne movie. But, you know, he moves into he's going to be dating the older woman. There will usually be a younger couple that will have their, you know, sexy little spat or whatever in the movie. And, and, and then John Wayne will play old. And you compare that to somebody like Cary Grant, who just played the same dashing debonair guy into his 60s. And he's, you know, in charade, he's with Audrey Hepburn. She's in her 20s. And it's just huh. like, ah! Tom Cruise can't quite decide what he wants to do. And yeah. so I think a more successful version of this movie in in terms of the storyline actually has Tom Cruise just playing Rocky and Creed or he, uh-huh. he's just the coach. He's just the right. old guy now. And we're actually excited about introducing a new generation of stars. Yeah. The movie's really putting some weight behind like Miles Teller. You're going to walk away excited about him and right. about Whoever the fake Val Kilmer guy is, who I thought was fun, yeah,
1: yeah, they they both are. Yeah, the the fact is, if you wanted to create actual characters, you could have.
0: Yeah, you had the actors to do it. I think fake Val Kilmer was was actually a lot of fun with a nothing, just kind of bully with a heart of gold part. Right. But Hangman was a lot of fun. Yeah. Miles Teller is a good actor. He's yeah. good at yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. Just have the have the dignity, Tom Cruise, to let it be their movie, and win an academy award in the process like everybody will love you yeah just giving yourself to being the older actually kind of father figure father figure and the movie wanted to have it both ways he certainly gets a lot of father figure material but he still has to bed the babe and the baby
1: who's, who's who's a mother figure but but they want to split the difference with her right too. which is
0: weird which is why her hair's dyed and she's wearing these jeans and everything like she she yeah they're, they're they Everything about it is, let's split the difference. Well,
1: even, okay, here's some here's some major spoilers, folks. Mm-hmm. What you're saying, the problem, like the split image problem, is in the plot of the movie. Yeah. It's like, it's so funny because I think that clarifies what happens, which which is that Tom Cruise is, he's shocked to learn he's he hasn't been brought in to fly this mission. He's been brought in to train these people to fly this mission. Mm-hmm. So, he's going to train them. But then, you know, it ends up that... Actually, he does have to fly this mission as the leader. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, okay, yeah. You're you're. This is not about handing off the Top Gun franchise, or you know, or, or basically recreating a new Top Gun franchise with new actors. It's not about telling a new story. Mm-hmm. This is simply about n- nostalgia and Tom Cruise nostalgia, especially, and how Tom Cruise can still be cooler than all these kids in their 20s in his 60s. Right. And th- that is what the movie is about. And I think it's fun that Tom Cruise wants to do all the stunts and wants to make movies with this much, let me say, care and loving attention to detail, mm-hmm. particularly in the action scenes. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's great. I, I'm
0: glad he does that, but he could be more generous with his co-stars and give them yeah. more to do and and know when to strategically take a step back in a way that would actually make him look really good. Oh yeah. Well, one of the reasons I thought about this is because there's an introduction at the beginning. It has one of those dorky, maybe it was just our pre-release screening, but it has one of those soul-deadening, dorky introductions by Tom Cruise where he thanks you for coming to the theater yeah. and all this kind of stuff and says, yeah. there's so many people to thank for this wonderful movie that you're about to see. Uh-huh. I hate those things. But Tom Cruise looks old. I marked that too. In I was that like, introduction. Man,
1: he looks old. He sounds old.
0: And I liked that. Actually, I was like, "Oh, cool! Tom Cruise is finally just owning up to the fact that he's really not a young man anymore." In this little clip, and then you cut to the movie, which, to be fair, has has I think been on a shelf for a year or two in COVID, so it was filmed a couple years ago now, Uh a few years ago. But you, you cut to the movie, and Tom Cruise is probably honestly got some. CGI cosmetics in the movie. Hmm. He's definitely doing makeup things. He's he's trying to play younger than he actually is right. in the movie. And it's funny, actually, because I was so aware of his age from that little stupid intro I was tracking, and some scenes, he looks much more older in this movie. Like when you meet him at the, the space station right. test or whatever, he looks a little bit younger, but then he goes into the bar and he looks a little bit more leathery. Oh. and. Huh. I didn't track that. But- Anyway, all to the point that Tom Cruise just embracing elder statesman status, I think would be it would be great.
1: Smart. It is funny to me to think that like what 20 years ago now he played a white-haired assassin in Collateral. Yeah, and he already felt dignified middle-aged. And and he actually used the older the older flavor of himself in that movie very effectively, and it felt like a transition to a different Tom Cruise, but it was that's not true.
0: Yeah. Vincent, I think. I don't know why yeah, his Vincent. name is. St- I haven't seen that movie for 20 years. But yeah. but he was. He was actually awesome. He was movie. a great character. Like, yeah. yeah, he used all of Tom Cruise's sociopathy <laughs> and his charm That's and right. his middle age to its advantage in a really smart way. And yeah, felt, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Tom Cruise could play this guy. You know, he could play kind of the Michael Douglas roles and things. He could play the older statesman, the executive, the. Right guy that's mean and in charge or you know like there's different roles that you can play at different ages
1: (laughs) yeah 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 but tom cruise still wants to play maverick (laughs) Uh, yeah well so bottom line good time at the movie it it really is i mean yeah it is
0: i don't know i think it is worth noting the things that were wrong with it right and saying that they were really wrong with it (laughs) I just don't feel a lot of tension about holding both of those things in my head and in my heart. You know, some people will need to defend the story in order to justify enjoying the action scenes. Right. But I'm just like, you know what? This movie was schlock, it was stupid, and I got my money's worth of planes going vroom really loudly. and Definitely. and, And that's fine. I think it should have been better. I think they had a responsibility to make it even better than it was. And I think it's too bad that Tom Cruise doesn't give the same care to characters that aren't himself and things like that, that he does to everything else. But, you know, it's fine. It'll be interesting to see how he handles these next Mission Impossible movies, whether he tries to pass the torch at all or.
1: Well, it
0: seems like he just wants to keep betting Younger and younger women in these things.
1: Well, that's what he did in his movie Oblivion, which I'm just going to spoil it for you because it's directed by the same guy who made this Top Gun Maverick movie. It's it's a Tom Cruise vehicle based on a video game where he plays a dude who's in a weird sci fi world and appears to be the only man alive there. Blah blah blah. But anyway, he's I don't think married is the right word. He's with this woman who's like his age, this beautiful woman, mm-hmm. and you know they're together in 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 this house in the sky, but really he belongs with this younger woman who he remembers and then finds on the planet and ends up being with her and she's like way younger. But anyway, so that's like and that's like Tom Cruise's life. All the Katie Holmes scandal stuff, if you remember that. I don't know. I mean some of it was scandal, some of it was not, but it's it's all gross.
0: Yeah, I mean he went from Nicole Kidman to Katie Holmes to I presume some younger trade in these days.
1: I, I think so. And then it's the same plot of Mission Impossible Six.
0: Yeah, where his wife's like, for the good of humanity, I need you to not be with me, the going into, the the not that old, but going into middle age woman. Instead, you should be with this
1: 30-year-old. Who already, like, was very immodest in the previous Mission Impossible movie and set up as a sex interest. And then, I don't know, and then watching the, um, the only trailer that played before our screening of Top Gun, the new Mission Impossible, watching him cuddling with said younger woman actress and a couple of scenes i just was like well yeah, i don't like to be the old man in the rocking chair
0: shaking my cane at the clouds but it was weird how much this trailer emphasized sex actually like the mission impossible trailer was like here's some ladies dancing or something yeah 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 that's not what i remember those any mission impossible movie really being about at all why are you trying to sell this <sighs> I will say it was inter- It was very interesting. They felt the need to have an analog to the sex scene in Top Gun. Like the, at the same moment that the sex scene in Top Gun happens, we have a sex scene in this one. And Hollywood is so scared of heteronormative sex these days. Like the sex scene, my wife went to cover my eyes. And by the time she was done covering my eyes, the scene was over. It was so tame. It was so chaste. And I'm not really complaining. I mean, I think that's a good thing. But... It's also indicative of a weird, bad thing about our culture, which is that they're, they're, we're, they're actually scared of sex. like right. they And they don't want to show it. I'm glad that they don't show it. I mean, don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Right. I'm glad that the movie was chased in its way. But I don't think it was chased because it was chased. I think it was chased because modern Hollywood and mo- our modern culture has a weird perverse, deadened relationship with sexuality. Uh So, at least in the 80s when they made a dumb sex scene that went on for too long and was evil, they were saying, well, men and women like to have sex and we can exploit that to make people like our movie in a cynical, stupid way. But now they're like, the actual cynical, stupid thing we should do is not to even exploit that desire because it's so dead in people. And I don't know. I don't know what to say, but uh, it's it's just fascinating uh, that movies don't have sex scenes anymore. James Bond doesn't really have them. Top Gun Maverick had felt like it needed to have one, but didn't want to do anything with it. So, I don't know. I don't think it's because we're living in a more chaste and modest time. Nah. <laughs> ben, anything else to say about Top Gun Maverick? Nah.
1: I guess... People may think we're just being grumps or something about it all, but... Jake may think we're just being grumps about it all. I'm I'm
0: sorry he's not here to be a counterbalance, and maybe he will later if he wants to. He's certainly welcome to... I just... Yeah, this movie will give you what it promises in terms of Mm -hmm. action and spectacle.
1: Yep. with very little in the way of, quote-unquote, objectionable content. Right. The objectionable
0: stuff is all kind of cultural in your head right the, the malaise of these modern times kind that's of stuff right. it's it's, it's just ritual decoupled from meaning <laughs> 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 the did that you know I, there's not a better phrase for that that's a good phrase i'm gonna own it i'm not gonna be sarcastic about it that's 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 my phrase cool so yeah wish it was a little shorter maybe rich d cup yep rich d cup rich d. cup no, reach rich d cup mean that's terrible <laughs> yeah that is terrible okay how many planes out
1: of 14 I don't know. That's that's hard. Depends what you want. I give it nine out of fourteen.
0: Yeah, fourteen out of fourteen for the parts where the planes are flying, and yeah, definitely that. Maybe six out of fourteen for the other stuff. Sure, sure. It was all passable. It's not like I was super.
1: Sounds like you were more annoyed and bored with some of the. I felt the the kind of calculated hollowness, the lack of risk taking and storytelling, just the in and, and the way that it just wanted to. To play on my nostalgia for the old movie without trying to be its own movie mm-hmm. i felt all of that pretty acutely so i don't know i, mean, I don't, can't tell which of that which part of that is an overreaction and which is just fair you right?
0: know you didn't just see dr strange you weren't just assaulted with two and a half hours of meaningless marvel gobbledygook that, oh. was, that was ritual not just decoupled from meaning but running as fast as it can from anything Okay, so that's fair. Having seen that,
1: yeah, this movie yeah, yeah. is
0: just like, hey, much better by comparison. It's not really a story, but at least they kind of want it to feel like one.
1: Yeah, that's that's cool. I I can I can accept that. This is this is not like this is not that. This mm-hmm. is this is not like or even Spider-Man: Far From Home with all no it's like. no no no. This movie is more fun than that. Yeah, and it's more. It's even if you want to if you want it to be heartwarming, it will be a little heartwarming. It will be. In a way that Spider-Man Far From Home is not.
0: Right. These, um, these
1: char- and the arc
0: of this character might be learn to use your feelings, but at least that's something. It's something. This movie has something to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like we're starving. So, we're like, yeah, this
1: Salisbury steak. Not bad. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah.
0: I cannot but admit that that's how I felt a little bit. Yeah. So. Oh,
1: no, totally. That's That's all fair.
0: Well... You know what else is, who else is fair? Who? I'll tell you, Ben, as
1: soon as I pull up their name. It is Keith. Keith. Fair, just, and balanced. Um, Our patron
0: choice the word of awesomeness, Warner, I should say. What makes Keith so awesome, you ask? Well, Ben.
1: Well, if Keith were were an, an angry admiral who who saw Tom Cruise's immaturities, he would still have the <laughs> the dignity or, or something or the the discernment to see Tom Cruise's strengths as well and give him, if not a salute, a little nod at the end of his heroic run. Well, there you go. Good for you, Keith. Good for you, Keith. <laughs> good, for
0: you, Keith. Uh, oh, good job. <laughs> good job, old Keith. Until next time. We really need Jake to have a thousand lines. Churn and bird, baby. <laughs> Churn and bird.